This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Generally speaking, what starts at 20 and turns into 32? The answer to that at the end of the show. My name's Tom Scott, and this is Lateral. Welcome to the panel game that's a little bit like a zombie survival film. Our questions stagger in awkward directions while licking their lips at the sight of brains. So it's barbed wire baseball bats at the ready while I introduce you to our guests. We start from Emily's Wonder Lab on Netflix and newly published author, Emily Calandrelli. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. We've got a brand new set of guests on today's show. None of you have ever played the game before, which uh, always makes you a little Mm -hmm. bit nervous, but I think think we're going to smash it out of the park this time. (laughs) I said new author, knowing that you want to plug the book, and she's completely forgot to plug the book. Plug the book, Emily. Now's a good time to plug the book. Yes. So I have the sixth book in my Ada Lace adventures that just came out. It's Ada Lace Gets Famous. This is a book series for kids ages six to 10. And it features a little girl named Ada Lace who loves all things science and tech. And she solves problems with mostly gadgets that she builds herself. It's like a nerdier version of Nancy Drew. I suspect that might be a little bit autobiographical, like just just based on based on yourself, <laughs> just a touch. Oh, it is like Maybe aspirational biographical, like a girl that I wish that I was like when I was a kid. The other reason I'm slightly nervous about today's episode is our other two players are a married couple in the same room on the same connection to call into this show. And you're, you're leaning on each other's shoulders. It's, it's adorable, but I feel like you might run away with this today. You're, you're in close <laughs> proximity here. Evan and Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. No, Thank no, we're going to we're going to aim all of our secret answers and hints away from each other. Exactly. We're adversaries. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on. I think the first time I saw your YouTube channel, you were building the world's brightest lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, we um we like to make things together. They're usually not practical things, um but we try to make stuff that we would have the most fun with. Yeah. Like a giant bright lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> or the world's biggest laptop. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Very best of luck to all of you today. The answer to a lateral question is a little like the far side of the moon. You know it must exist, but very few people have seen it with their own eyes. And with that, we're going to take off in three, two, one. With a question that's been sent in by Bruce in Cornwall. The 477 bus in Northumberland runs once or twice a day, twice a week. The bus begins its run at one of seven different times, seemingly at random. Why does it have such an odd timetable? I'll say that one more time. The 477 bus in Northumberland runs once or twice a day, twice a week. The bus begins its run at one of seven different times, seemingly at random. Why does it have such an odd timetable? I feel like I'm back in school, which is a fun (laughs) and scary feeling. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I've got that, like, SAT test anxiety. Going on. Yeah, but it's it's fun. I love the puzzle. It only runs twice a week. Is that what you said? Yeah, twice a week, once or twice a day, seemingly at random. Is it like sunrise and sunset? What if it's like an airplane that lands 
very rarely and the airplane and the bus needs to take the passengers from one place to another place, but the plane lands at random times. It seems like there must be some sort of trigger and that trigger is the random thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, sunset mm. and sunrise happen slightly differently at a slightly That's different true. time every day. Once or twice a day, twice per week. And it begins its run at one of seven different times, seemingly at random. One of seven. Mm-hmm. So there's only seven different times. I wonder if that seven is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is the location of this event uh, notable? Yeah. Anyone in the Northumberland area, which is sort of northeast of uh, the United Kingdom, if you're in that mm. area, you will already be screaming the answer. <laughs> um, I, I <laughs> okay. suspect so, so our there's... producer may have lined this question up for a show with three Americans in it. <laughs> All right. So okay. there's... if one of you's Canadian, I I'm so apologetic for for getting that wrong. <laughs> so let's see. So, so it's something local. There's seven. There's seven different times, but there's seven like precise times that it can happen. But the choice of when it leaves, like which time that is, it seems random. Yeah, and I'm not saying much because between you all, you're vaguely starting to approach the answer. Okay. I'm also thinking like because it can happen once or twice, I feel like that might rule out something like the sunset sunrise sunrise, because why would that, why would it be once or twice? So like what would happen sometimes one time, sometimes two times? Twice a week. Is it something like a fairy? Oh, a boat. I was like a, like a fairy princess. <laughs> it's magical. It's magical. <laughs> is it magic? Yeah, is it magic though? <laughs> we can't rule that out. <laughs> um, uh, it, it could run seven days a week. It's actually just a tourist route and that it happens to run on these days. Mm. Okay. Is it something with the tides? Like tides coming in? Yes. Yes. That's why I kept my mouth shut, because you said sun, and that wasn't quite the right astronomical body. But (laughs) But something celestial based on, okay. Okay. So it has to do with the tides. So maybe it's a fairy, maybe it's a fairy, maybe it's based on the tides. Like maybe it's a boat and it can only leave during high tide or something. It is an actual bus, but you're nearly there. Oh, a bus. I mean, is there like a bridge that is underwater at high tide? Yes, there is. Spot on. This da, is da, da, da. Okay. This is the <laughs> causeway across the sea to Lindisfarne or Holy Island in the northeast. Ah. And it is quite a famous causeway in Britain uh, that more or less twice a day gets covered by the tide. And that time shifts by about an hour each day. So the bus schedule is... <laughs> Pick a time when the bus can actually get over and, more importantly, can get back. Wow! That's so interesting! Wow. I, I have to admit, at the beginning of this, I gave us slim chances <laughs> of getting this right. <laughs> <laughs> this is so random! I'm really, I'm really happy we did. Good job, team. Yeah, that was really good teamwork. I was panicking that we were going to be done in 60 seconds as soon as Emily said sunrise. I was like, well, let's this be solved it here. <laughs> Uh, it's worth looking up at some point footage from this because it is at low tide, just a, a pathway that's you know had a road built over it. Uh, it was an old pilgrim's path 
many, many years ago. Um, but then the water starts arriving and starts flooding it, and there is always some idiot who's got stuck on the other side who thinks they can make it across in their car. And most of the time they can. And then about once a month, the Coast Guard have to arrive for someone who has had to leave their swamped car and run up to one of the like safety towers just to stop them being swept away. Oh my gosh. Why don't they build a new bridge? I think it's partly tradition and partly because the island <laughs> the island's kind of got this this historic mystery air about it. I think they quite like the fact mm. that this is only accessible at certain times. Now, do they have yeah, to scrape cool. the road every now and then from like that, you know, mold and like other things building up to, to make because this of the water? Be slick? I guess so, yeah. I've not thought about that. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, corrosion is a thing. Yeah. Seems structurally unsound. <laughs> I mean, I've been there. There's just a big old sign next to it with a load of tide times and very big warnings on it that you you have to hope that people read. Fascinating. <laughs> so yes, the 477 bus in Northumberland only runs at certain times because otherwise it'll get a bit wet. Each of our guests has brought a question. I don't know the question. I don't know the answers. And we're going to start today with Caitlin. Whenever you're ready. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, Evan is hiding his gaze <laughs> on, the, on the other side of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this question was submitted by Harry from Christchurch. A 2013 study found that unusually, the more an operator used this highly specialized robot the less effective they became at carrying out their job objectively. What is this robot used for? I'll read it one more time. A 2013 study found that unusually, the more an operator used this highly specialized robot, the less effective they became at carrying out their job objectively. What is the robot used for? Objectively, I think might be one of the key words here. My first thought was that it was a sport thing. That it was something like Hawkeye in cricket or like the or tennis, like the line judge thing. That the more mm. the operator starts to rely on it, the less they actually start to be able to make the call about whether the ball's in or out. But also, I went for the cricket reference first. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> um, Caitlin is not immediately nodding at me, so I suspect I'm wrong. She has a good poker face. I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> put it past it, it, you could have gotten it spot on and she's just uh playing yeah. it cool i want you each to have a chance to chime in a little bit before i, <laughs> I give too much i want to see where this goes yeah i was thinking sort of like ai chat gbt style robot but 2013 study makes me think that that's probably not it, it can we ask if it is it sports related it's not sports related and evan is correct in focusing on that word objectively it also said robot and not like sensor system or something like that like the hawkeye system is not a robot it'd be cooler if it was but it's it's not it's cameras and algorithms is, is it a physical robot it is a physical robot Ooh. so it's, it's interesting because it's a physical robot doing something where there's an objective outcome not a technical outcome so it's not assembling it's not like you know doing anything where it's technically correct or wrong it's objective and that's the thing that like really let me let me just <clears throat> clarify because there's a lot of like they's in my question um the less effective the operator 
becomes at carrying out their job. Yeah. Effectively. So the operator the of the job. robot mm-hmm. becomes less and less objective as they use this robot. Yes. <clears throat> oh, now I'm just stuck on like giant mecha Gundam suit from anime. <laughs> just big old exoskeleton that's... Oh, that's but that's still not a robot. This is a job that there's a clear advantage to doing it with a robot. Okay. Is it a, a remote operated vehicle or is the person operating it locally? It is remote. <clears throat> Ooh. So what jobs need robots? Like agriculture uses drones but objective and like i'm wondering does it have to do with like grading applicants for something and uh, but a physical robot to grade (laughs) university admissions at mit are now actually just graded (laughs) by a giant robot reaching in and just sweeping people (laughs) into one bin or another (laughs) i i will say the reason that the um, doing their job objectively becomes an issue is not because they lose the skill. The operator doesn't necessarily lose the skill to do that job. It's not like they become reliant on the robot. Oh, <laughs> I'm just I, I've been hanging on to this. I don't it's it's it's, it's kind of a dark thing. But I, I think, you know, UAVs and and, you know, military people oh. operating. If, if our producers have put a question about drone strikes in this episode, I'll be I'll be stunned. Oh, yeah. That, that does like, not. I, I don't. I don't think that every. No, I don't think that anyone's going there. You know, because there's some like ethical concerns there and everything. But I'm just going to kind of set that aside and move on because I, I, that that's that's where I kind of went because you can be so removed. Yeah. Well, there's also if you get if you get too much information about something, like if you are like military related but also like ufo related if you have uh like too many image sensors around a base and you get too much data on objects that are moving you're going to get like animals and cars and like things that are just not relevant and if you have a robot helping you with that getting more ufo data makes you maybe less objective at like identifying what's relevant but again, that's like sensors, not a robot. I will say that um, you're not totally off base with the warfare. Oh, wow. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is good. This is going to be a very difficult, difficult question to tread a line on from now on. Okay. Yes. <laughs> to help you guys out. It's kind of wholesome. Wholesome. I know wholesome. it's wholesome and warfare. <laughs> That's really interesting. I'm throwing you a weird combo here. What, what jobs use robots and fit all those criteria? So it is remotely operated and it's a physical robot. It has to do with war and it's wholesome. Or like bomb disposal? Because like bomb disposal robots are a thing. It could be a bomb disposal. But I don't know how you would objectively... <gasps> Wait! Wait, oh, oh, I think I might have it based on like an article I read a long time ago. People who operate bomb disposal robots form an emotional connection with their bomb disposal robots. Yes, because they like their robots. They, they form a bond with them and they feel saddened when the robot dies. So they may take 
maybe less risks because they don't want the robot to blow up when they're disposing the bomb. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, the answer is bomb defusal and it's, um, it's basically exactly what you said. Um, a study found that operators like anthropomorphize their robots. They give them names. Often the names will be like their girlfriend's name or like a pet name. Like they treat them like a person um, and they build an attachment to them. And over time, um, they start to get wary about putting them into harm's way. Oh. So, yeah, there's a study. They interviewed 23 <clears throat> explosive ordnance personnel and they the soldiers admitted they felt frustration anger, even sadness if a field robot was destroyed. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I remember reading the phrase somewhere, and I cannot think of the source of this, which is, humans will pair bond with anything. Like, you <laughs> yeah. you just, you give a thing a name and a couple of eyes, and humans will just go, yep, yeah, I love that now. Yeah, well, we, uh, <laughs> if, 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 if you can zoom in on our, our feed right here, Guess what our um, microphones have? Oh, yeah, they have eyes, eyes yeah. and faces. Yeah, we, <laughs> we tend to do that. The majority of our, especially our large tools, all have googly eyes and they get names. Yep. So <laughs> I so related to this story. <laughs> I can't believe you randomly read an article that is useful at this moment in your life right now. That was perfect timing. <laughs> I just really like robots. And technically, when... Um, one of our projects, we needed a mobile remote operated base. We we're building a car for our cat. We were building a remote operated car for our cat so we could drive As it around. One does. And guess what I found online for a reasonable price? The base of a bomb disposal robot. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so we do. What happened to the rest of the robot? Actually, never mind. I know what happened to the rest of the robot. <laughs> we, <laughs> we just used the base. We, we just, just used, used the, base. the base. Yeah, yeah. It was a stock base. <laughs> wow. So bomb defusal robot operators develop an emotional attachment to their robots and it causes them to perform their job less objectively. Wow. It's crazy. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you to Jeff Wagg for sending in this next question. What musical instrument is largely made by insects? I'll give you that one more time. What musical instrument is largely made by insects? My first instinct is like, is there something that insects produce physically? You know, like spiders have, you know, silk string. Is is there something that the insects produce that goes into making this instrument? Well, I'm wondering, do humans play this instrument or does nature play this instrument? And instrument is a little bit interpretive. Is it like wind blowing through like 
an anthill and all of the things whistle or something like that? Oh. Or is it something that a human plays? Because technically, it could be defined either way. I'll put you out of your misery on this one. It is at least a human-played instrument. Okay. All right, all right, all right. <clears throat> now, you said largely made by insects yeah. or completely made? Largely. Largely, okay. okay. I wonder if there's some sort of like horn instrument that's created by, uh, I don't know, something that just like it has that sort of shape of like small on one end, large on the other, and is maybe not like the most common of instruments that you'd find in like a wind ensemble or a concert band. But it, well, maybe that's a good question. Is it something you would find in like a high school concert band? I'm not giving you any more hints now because it, it's like that first question where I'm just shutting up because it turns out we've got a really, really good team of players here. It's it's not even meant to be a competitive thing, but somehow you're managing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost picturing like, you know, um, when ant he ant eaters like, you know, stick their long tongues into those tubes to get the ants, those specific type of like ant hills yeah. that are like long and tubular. Like, can you play that as an instrument? Or yeah. is it like an element in an instrument? Like, you know, those rain making things. Tubes, a didgeridoo. The, didgeridoo. Didgeridoo. Yeah. I don't know. The, the one where you turn oh, yeah. it upside I'm, down. You're thinking and, of like, something goes, else. I'm thinking of a didgeridoo. And all of like the things rain down. Yeah. I'm thinking the didgeridoo. But, ooh. Why are you thinking the didgeridoo? Because uh, it looks like an instrument that could be made by it looks yep. very neat. Is it the it's, it's a didgeridoo. You've, you've got it. <gasps> You've got it that quickly. It's a didgeridoo. Well done, Caitlin. <laughs> um, I will ask you for a little bit more. Like, why, how, what's the process there? Oh, I was I was just guessing because it looks really organic. <laughs> <Yeah>. Explain. <laughs> it does. So what's it made from? How are the insects making that? Well, I mean, is it, does the didgeridoo originate in Australia? Is yeah. that where it's from? Where is the yeah. Australia? So big Australian ants. <laughs> uh, termites, actually termites oh they eat away um the inside of bark yeah and then what's left is a didgeridoo is that the tree falls the termites hollow out the log and what you have there is most of the way to a didgeridoo there's still obviously a lot of work mm. done by humans to to tune it to make it from there but the basic form of a traditional didgeridoo is a hollowed out log made by termites emily over to you for the next question Okay, so this question has been sent in by R.Y. Near the end of the phantasmic nighttime show at Disney's Hollywood Studios, why does one cast member have to do a procedure called bagging the fish? Near the end of the show phantasmic at Disney's Hollywood Studios, why does one cast member have to do a procedure called bagging the fish? Um, I worked at Disney World um, when I was in college because I thought I wanted to be a Disney Imagineer. And so I spent um, like six months working in Disney World as like a cast member there. So I have a lot of like very unique Disney knowledge. And this uh, was one of them. It's a good one. So I've seen Fantasmic and it is a big nighttime spectacle in a big kind of amphitheater. And there are water projection screens and explosions on a mountaintop. And you have Mickey Mouse in full Sorcerer's Apprentice gear, like firing off pyrotechnics from a wand. Um, 
it's one of the the few times I actually kind of fell for the Disney magic. Um, there is a, a mm-hmm. I don't even know if the show's still going, but there is a just a, a gag at the end of it where there is basically a teleportation effect because there is a puff of smoke and Mickey Mouse disappears from one part of the stage and appears on top of the mountain or maybe the other way around. And for like two seconds, my brain went, how did they do that? Like, it's two Mickey Mouse suits. It's a character. That's not a person. <laughs> but for like two seconds, my brain was like a child going, that's magic. How they do it? It's, it's, it's another Mickey Mouse suit. But, you know, just for a moment. Love that. So uh, my my reason for going on the long rant there is it is uh, a big stage show sat on a, a fiberglass mountain with water effects and pyro effects and a load of fully costumed cast members. Wow. So where is this water pumped from? Is it from like a big pond or lake or is it all like underground tubes or is that relevant? Caitlin, are you imagining someone literally picking up real fish? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm I'm thinking of it like because I know that Disney likes to, you know, sugarcoat all of like the, the things that they kind of do and everything. So bagging the fish could mean fish or it could mean anything else that's true you know it could be the the fireworks it could be trash it could be all sorts of things it could be picking up trash it's fantastic the show where the dragon caught on fire recently i remember seeing that there was a there was a for the first time something went wrong in a disney park in quite a spectacular way and of course everyone's on tiktok now if you're a kid going there so like there are 30 different angles of a dragon having a bit more fire than it's supposed to for a while. Um, I think that was at Disneyland. That was Disneyland. But okay. Yeah. <sighs> but I think a relevant emergency scenario. Yeah, it's got to be like a safety thing or something like that for fireworks or pyro or... Now, I wonder, is this a specific procedure for just this show or is this something that they do for, for all shows or at the end of any show? I think particularly relevant for this show. Are there real fish involved? <laughs> I think we, I don't know if we can ask that question. That's very specific. Oh no, I I, I think I can I can I can answer that. I, if there are, they're not visible to the audience. If they are, they've been <laughs> snuck in by a cast member into the pool, and they're going to be terrified <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> but it's got to be something that's in the water or around the water, presumably. Yeah, I do like the idea of it being like a euphemism for something else. Because like even bagging could technically not be an actual bag, you know, like bagging oh, the yeah. fish could doesn't actually mean like bagging something, something and fish is something bagging the fish could mean like collecting money that fell on the ground. Like, you know, it, it could be like. I guess I'm still thinking of collecting, though. Bagging is a euphemism that hunters will use for if you've, like, successfully shot something. Like, if the, you can say you've bagged a few ducks, which, like, it's not Donald. Let's put it that way. But, <laughs> like, if you're out hunting, your, your bag is what you've caught. So it could be that they're trying to find or track or grab something that could get away. Mm. Oh... Emily is smiling in a way. <laughs> Can I, I feel like we were dancing around a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, I would say there is a bag involved. And it's got to be There's something a, that's in the water because fish. Um, it is not in the water. There is a bag involved. I can't think of any Disney fishes. 
Like the Little Mermaid is the only one that. Oh, um, um, flounder. <laughs> Just <laughs> like bag flounder. You are so them. close. You are so close. It is. Uh, hey, keep on going. Keep on going. Fantasmic has a parade of all the movie characters. Um, Nemo. Oh, it could be the Little Mermaid. It could be as simple uh, as you can't walk with a Little Mermaid costume on, <gasps> and it's going to be very wet because, it, particularly if she's like near the water. Do they have to like? Put the Little Mermaid actor in a bag to get her safely off the stage or something like that? Fish can't walk. Does it have to do with fish not being able to walk? It does. Okay, is it, does it have to do with a costume? Yes, I, you, you already got the, per, the right character um, and you already have the fact that they can't walk. It's the reason the bagging is taking place, which is relevant. Okay, so Disney doesn't like um, their their hero characters that are in in costume acting out of character. They don't want Flounder to be seeing like sprouting legs and walking off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So bagging the fish is cast members secreting away Flounder. No, it, it's going to be the Little Mermaid. It's not going to be Flounder. Flounder is going to be a, a fish on a stick. It's going to be it's going to be Ariel. It's got to be Ariel. Yeah, it's got to be right. main character. Main character. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I think you're onto something. I think it's how they transport her from the show to some sort of ba- sort of backstage area because she can't walk in her costume, and if she's seen with legs, it's going to ruin the magic. Yeah. Can you describe the phantasmic show again, briefly? Fiberglass mounted, pyrotechnics, water... A big parade of characters. Is it something to do with, like, pyrotechnic safety? Yes, it is. Can she not run away if something goes wrong with the pyro? It's mostly... It's not necessarily related to running away. Um, It's mostly related to the pyro itself. It's just that it's too unsafe for the Little Mermaid who cannot walk to be near the pyro, so she's literally just kind of picked up by cast members and taken somewhere safe. Not picked up. She's left there. She's connected to the boat in some way. It's too hard to move her. So instead... Just literally put a cover over the boat. Just make sure the audience can't see her anymore and protect her from any flying pyro. Oh, is it like a, like are... a fireproof blanket? <laughs> put the fireproof ding, 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 blanket ding, 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 Oh my God. You are bagging the fish with a fireproof bag to protect her <laughs> oh from the pyrotechnics. I assume they just moved her out the way. They just put a cover over her. They can't, she's like connected to the boat. So they literally oh just God. put a bag over her whole body. <laughs> I want to see that happening. I'm sure they try to do it out of the way. There's videos online uh, of like very sneaky, good camera people um, finding the bagging the, of the fish. So you can find videos of this online. which is Wow. Really oh, I love that. And I love the name for it too. And what a coincidence so that weird. like you are the one with the question and the full, complete knowledge of the answer. <laughs> if it hadn't been flipped, the whole show would have been shot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it would have been a very quick answer. But yes, so there is something uh, near the end of Fantastic Night Show at Disney's Hollywood studio called Bagging the Fish, which is simply just putting a fireproof bag over Ariel because she is attached to the boat, has fins, and cannot move. <laughs> Love it. 
Thank you to Thomas Dean for sending this question in. Sam buys a new analog watch when commuting to work. It seems to work fine for a few hours until she realises later that it has accidentally been set to the wrong time of day. How could she tell? I'll give you that one more time. Sam buys a new analog watch when commuting to work. It seems to work fine for a few hours until she realises later that it has accidentally been set to the wrong time of day. How could she tell? She drove past a clock? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. She looked at her phone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it, it says it seems to be working fine initially, so... That must mean that the, that the hands are moving and everything. It seems like the answer is too simple. Yeah. How do we complicate it? <laughs> you have accidentally, in, in a bit of wordplay, which will make people who know about watches absolutely joyful, you just kind of accidentally said the right answer, but I can't tell you why yet. <laughs> okay, so it has to do with the hands of the clock moving. No. No, okay. The, the hands of the clock were moving. Does it have to do, is it a specific type of watch that only operates when something is happening? Like if you wind it up or if you are like moving? It's a fairly normal analog watch. Normal watch. I realise they're slightly outdated these days, but this is this is not a, a special weird watch. There were those watches when I was young, there was a fad for them where they, they claimed they would never stop because it charged itself off your body movement. Yeah, they they still have those. Like, while you walk, it kind of, like, winds to some degree. Yeah. Could have been one of those. Could have not been. Doesn't matter. It is your standard standard analog watch. Mm. Irrelevant to this discussion. Okay, okay. Was it, like, she noticed the sun at noon was not directly overhead and looked at her watch and it said, like, 2 p.m. or something? No, but she did only notice this about the end of the morning. It was working for a while. It seemed to be working for a while. Was it just set? Well, there's not AM and PM on the watches there. One thing that an analog watch can't do that digital watches and phones and other things can is phones can adjust based on time zones. Now, if there was Mm -hmm. someone in Europe who might commute across a time zone and... In America, it's a bit harder, perhaps. They're, you could be close. You, you could, could be close, yeah. So, yeah, so anywhere, I guess. Anywhere. You if, could be in Indiana and have to do it three times on a one-hour drive. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Sorry, unnecessary burn on Indiana's complicated time zones there, which just annoyed me a while back. Sorry, that's just... just <laughs> it's a fun does fact. Does it have to do with time zones, though? Not really, no. Not really, okay. What about, um, like, a daylight savings time? Because that's another thing that a digital... Like on your phone, it would adjust and your analog watch would not. Mm-hmm. But usually that happens at like 2 a.m. Yeah, it is does when they happen. change the clocks back. So that doesn't really work with the timing of like a morning commute. Hmm. Man, I really thought you were onto something with the time I, zones. I thought, I thought I was onto something with the time <laughs> zones. I was like, I have it. But to be clear, all of these could be right answers. They, I feel like they successfully. <laughs> no, that I'm, I'm not sure they could because the phrasing is. She realizes later that it has been accidentally set to the wrong time of day. Oh, that's interesting. That changes a lot. So it's not that it was right and then she realized it was... It's not that it was right and then it changed and was no longer right. It seems to be working correctly for a period of time. And then she realized that it had been set at the wrong time. Yeah, so... 
So she might have said it. There might be a reason why she accidentally said it wrong and didn't realize till later. I mean, yeah, but like daylight savings, that would work because you it's like the sun doesn't rise until later or it uh, rises earlier. So you sort of realize later in the morning, like, oh, it must be a different time of day now. No, 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 no. You you did say, Emily, that analog watches don't have AM and PM. And you're right that generally they don't, but that's a little bit closer than you might think. Does it have, like, military time? Standard analog watch. Some watches do have an AM and PM flip, that analog flips between AM and PM. But I don't think that that's it either. It'd be really obvious, though. You'd, you'd buy the watch, you'd look at it, it says 8.15pm, and you're like, oh no, it's 8.15am. Yeah. So it's not quite yeah. that. But yeah. that yeah. might be what's wrong with it. Why might you notice that later? It's not where she lives, where like the sun sets at odd hours. The thing I picked up on earlier, Evan, which is this sort of nerdy thing that I, I know and I apologize. I sort of have to apologize for knowing this, is you said, is there something that complicates it? And anything on a watch that is not the hands, any little detail, other thing it tells you is called a complication. Yes. <laughs> And this watch has a complication, one of the most basic ones you could have. Most analog watches have this. Could it be that it wasn't that the time was set wrong, that maybe it was like it's it has a complication of like the date on it or something, too, and the date was wrong? Yeah, the, 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 the date is one of the more common complications. So think that one through. So maybe she like commuted to work and no one was there and she was like, oh, it's Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're nearly there. Okay, so this person gets the watch, they they set it to the correct time, and then they do something that would happen on a certain day and time, but it isn't happening this day because the date is incorrect. The date was fine. She she looks at it, she buys the watch on commuting to work, it says 8.30 a.m., Thursday 20th, whatever it happens to be. Absolutely fine, absolutely correct. Oh. A few hours later, it's not. <gasps> complications on watches can't take into account leap years and other oh. irregularity of dates i thought you got it you haven't got it i thought you were oh. so close I, I, we've seen that expression a couple of times we've heard that in gasp of air <laughs> and i really thought you got it emily you mentioned noon evan you've mentioned complications between you you've got all the pieces so it's, there's some sort of mix up between like noon and midnight which means what happened to that watch Yes. Okay. So, uh, okay. 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 All right. <clears throat> Let me say this in a clear and concise manner. <laughs> so someone bought a watch and looked at it and it said like, you know, nine 30 Thursday. And then by the time it was one, it said one AM Friday because the clock didn't have AM PM markings. And therefore, when it crossed midnight, she assumed it was going to be noon, but instead it was midnight, it changed to the next day. Therefore, she realized that the clock was set 12 hours off. Is the correct answer. Yeah! <laughs> she looks at it, it says 8.30 on Thursday, because it's a 12-hour model, and then it gets like 11.55, 12 o'clock, and that day starts shifting, and she's like, oh, it thinks it's midnight. There you that's go. That's so. Oh, that's interesting. 
She just needed one more complication. I do not know enough about watches. I <laughs> 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 this question. Evan, the last big question of the show is yours. Over to you. This question has been sent in by Francisco Jordao. John hired a new cleaner to do the dirty jobs around the home that he didn't care for. He soon deduced that the cleaner owned a cat. How? I'll read that one more time. John hired a new cleaner to do the dirty jobs around the house he didn't care for. He soon deduced that the cleaner owned a cat. How? The cleaner owned a cat. So John owns the home. John owns the home. And he hired the cleaner. Yes. And he deduced that the cleaner owns a cat. Yes, correct. Do any of us own a cat? We own a cat. Okay. I'm allergic to cats. <laughs> Evan is also <clears throat> allergic to cats. Yes. Um, Wait, Evan's allergic, but you still have a cat. Yeah, the cat was mine before we started dating, and... Um, we didn't find out he was allergic until like <laughs> 10 years into living together. So yeah. So we still have the cat. I just um, deal with it. But it makes me wonder, did John start sneezing no. or having allergic reactions? <clears throat> okay. Dang it. I, that would have been mm. too easy. That would have been too easy. So if you live in a house with a cat, you presumably do certain things or some things that people who don't own cats don't. And I guess the cleaner does this. Was, were, were they like very conscious of like running the vacuum and oh, did they open the trash bags in the way that don't make a loud noise? <laughs> no. Okay. It was subtle. It is a subtle thing. Uh, is it something about like not letting animals escape, like making sure that windows are closed or? It doesn't say so, but we can assume that John doesn't have a cat. It doesn't have to do anything with John having a cat. It has to do with what the cleaner did while cleaning that made John think that the owner has a cat. Did he throw out like flowers or something that are like cats are allergic or not that are like poisonous to cats? Did he get rid of nope. something that are poisonous to cats? Mm. That that might have been something that happened that could. Uh, but it's not the answer. <clears throat> it's not the answer. It happened on a different day, but not the <laughs> yeah. Did, did um, they vacuum the furniture for cat hair? Mm, no. Or oh. vacuum in a particular way. I don't know why we're all stuck on vacuums. Like, are cats scared of vacuums? <laughs> yeah, uh. they are scared of vacuums. And like, when you when you open a trash bag and you do, do the loud, they're scared of that. Yeah. Now, I'll, <laughs> I'll say this to help, to help focus this particular answer, because... I think you guys are pointing out there's a lot of things that could happen, mm -hmm. um, but there is one that this answer is looking for, and it has to do with a physical change in the house that was changed before and after the cleaner showed up. Mm. <clears throat> oh. Okay, there's only one cat owner here. Like, what <laughs> What are your worries when you're cleaning? <laughs> it's all on Caitlin. Did they open all the, like, blinds? Just like enough for a, a cat to sit on the windowsill. <laughs> I'm thinking of the things I do. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is interesting because we are oh. in a situation where there are three contestants and only one owns a cat. <laughs> I'm going to have to give that person a hint. It's nothing that we do. Oh, it's something oh. I know. Mm. So I think that this is something that uh, maybe other people could guess, too. But it has to do with the physical change around the house that you would do if you owned a cat. Oh, that's because all the things I'm thinking of are things I would do. Like 
you leave a little faucet on a dribble just in case they want to sip. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, 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 you would. Oh, hold on. Okay. Stuff I know about cats. Cats destroy stuff. Cats throw mm. stuff off. Uh, like if there is a thing on a sideboard, a cat will knock it off and knock it down. Uh, if there are curtains, then a cat will claw at them and uh, maybe the cleaner pull the curtains up off the floor. Like mm. I, I, I just. Cats are small, destructive chaos goblins, and yes, I, yeah. Did it push like all of the items to the back of the shelf or something? Like, interestingly, all the picture frames. Interestingly, Tom and Emily are more on the right track than Caitlin because we have a very sweet, gentle darling of a cat. She's non-destructive. She's non-destructive, but keep on going on the cat stereotypes. It did. So did they like drape blankets over the arms of couches to protect the corners of the couch? Yeah, I was thinking like scra- avoiding scratching or something like that. Cat stereotypes. Okay, well, uh, let's now. Uh, it could be we're all assuming it's the living room. It could be the bathroom. It could be the kitchen. Uh, bathroom. 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 Okay. I'm just going to give you the hint. It's the bathroom because like bathroom. there is so much. Yeah. What and I think that, like, narrowing it, like, the, the, like defining the puzzle... There's, there's, like, an escape route from the bath for in case the cat falls in. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe putting this, like, all the soaps underneath the sink so that they don't knock off the soaps. Oh, is there anything in the bathroom that's poisonous to cats or toxic or so? I mean, we were still on, like, cats being destructive chaos goblins, but, like, is there something that a cat would... <laughs> not want uh like the bath or shower or something like that that you you guys are navigating around the answer like we often do i'll give you a hint though it has to do with the way something was positioned you guys have talked about like positioning things oh and everything they put the toilet roll the other way around so <gasps> that if the cat starts batting at it it just loops round around 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 instead of being pulled into a tiny thing on the floor Correct. There we go. Tom has the answer. I've seen that. It's for cats and for if you've got toddlers in the house that might go in there. And they're just going to grab the toilet roll and just spin it and spin it and spin it and spin it. And if you put the toilet paper with the loose end to the back, chances are as they spin it, it's just going to flap around instead of all unraveling on the ground. Yes, correct. <sighs> and like you don't want that little dangling bit tempting them yeah. to start the whole process. And there's even products that like cat-proof toilet roll holders that involve a special cover to prevent that from happening. <laughs> now, I think the thing that threw Caitlin off is our cat doesn't do that. Yeah, it, being a cat owner was my weakness in this one. <laughs> you have to stereotype the cats <laughs> and put them into a, 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 a assumed behavioral model to really get this answer. <laughs> That animal has made you less objective uh, at the job. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so again, the answer was the owner who who hired the cleaner noticed that the cleaner flipped the toilet paper around the other way to prevent a cat from pulling on it. So interesting. Go. One final thing then. At the start of the show, I asked, generally speaking, what starts at 20 and turns into 32? Any guesses from our panel before I give the answer for the audience? Humans, they grow up. At some point, they're 20, (laughs) then they're 32. That was also my question. It is something human, yes. But it's going to take a a few years, not 20 to 32, though. 
Is it something about the size of humans? Uh, not the size. It's the number of something we have. Oh, teeth? Yeah, is it teeth? Teeth is right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, a typical human has 20 baby teeth by the time they're about two and a half. They start shedding and most people end up with 32 adult teeth. With that, congratulations to all of you. Thank you very much. Uh, where can people find you? What are you doing? What's going on in your lives? Uh, we'll start We'll start with Emily, because it's easier to go to one person right now. <laughs> Emily, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm everywhere online at The Space Gal. Uh, I'm an aerospace engineer, so most of the stuff that I talk about deals with space. And I have a new book series coming out with um, my Ada Lace adventures. It's the sixth book in the series called Ada Lace Gets Famous. And you can find me at thespacegal.com. And normally I throw to one person at this point, but you're in the same room. You can work it out between yourselves. Evan, Caitlin, <laughs> where can people find you? You can just search Evan and Caitlin and we're on every platform. We just stuck with Evan and Caitlin because we couldn't choose one thing to do. Are we doing DIY? Are we doing video games? Are we, you know, doing ghost hunting? You know, it could be whatever <laughs> we're feeling that day. But mostly it's going to be on YouTube. So yeah. I would say search it there. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to find out more about this show, you can do that at lateralcast.com. We are at lateralcast pretty much everywhere. And there are video highlights multiple times a week at youtube.com slash lateralcast. With that, thank you very much to Evan and Caitlin. Thanks for having us Thank on. Thank you. And to Emily Calandrelli. Thank you so much. I've been Tom Scott, and that's been Lateral. <laughs>